0: And follow BSL on Twitter. Twitter. Welcome to On The Verge. This is Zach Svetten, joined as always by Bob Fillman and Nick Stevens. And on tonight's episode, we begin our offseason preview series looking at the Orioles roster and figuring out how they're going to approach this offseason as they strive towards contention in 2023. And we'll start off with the pitching staff, looking especially at the rotation as well as the bullpen, with outperformed expectations in 2022 as the Orioles went to an 83-79 and record. However, most conversations about how to improve the Orioles this offseason, typically start with the pitching staff, and I'll dive right into what is going to be the first big move of this offseason for the Orioles, and that is the decision of whether or not to pick up an $11 million club option for Jordan Laws. Laws, as many of our listeners remember, was signed last offseason, brought in to eat innings, be someone that could be a steady presence in the rotation, take the ball every fifth day, He did just that and I think exceeded most reasonable expectations for him. However, the Orioles now have to decide if that $11 million club option is something that they plan to exercise as an alternative, they could give Lowell's a $1 million buyout and either try to negotiate a new contract with him this offseason or perhaps look at other ways to fill the starting rotation. I'll admit that this question is one I've struggled with myself, so I'm happy to hand it off to someone else. To start to discuss it, I'll uh, turn it over to Bob. Bob, what should and or will the Orioles do about Jordan Lyles and that $11 million club, option?
2: Yeah, it's such an interesting case because I feel like it's it's pretty much on the borderline value-wise. You're probably going to get your value if you pick it up. I just don't know if the Orioles are in the place at this moment where that is enough for where they want to be next year going into uh, trying to contend for the playoffs. Maybe I think he's a better pitcher for like – the Orioles were expected to be coming into this year who just a team that needs innings to get through the season. And, you know, he's going to provide it, you know, he's going to mentor some younger pitchers and, and stay healthy. I'm sure they already know what they're going to do. Um, and of course they're going to wait to the last possible second to do it, but um, geez, it's, it's certainly tough. I think what I would do is I would exercise the option and then, Try to find a trade suitor for him, a la Jose Iglesias, back in 2020, following the 2020 season. I believe that's right, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think there will be plenty of teams that would be interested in him. I don't know what you're going to get for him, especially because it's pretty much he's going to be pretty close to market value. Maybe a, a couple million dollars uh, less than that. But I'm thinking they came into the season planning to trade him before the trade deadline, but. Just the status of the team at that time, it was best to keep him around, which I think was the right choice. But, yeah, it's a tough call. I think they will ultimately keep him around or at least exercise it. I don't know if they're going to keep him around. But worst case, he's a guy that can be, even if you do exercise it, you can still acquire a couple other pitchers. And he can be around like a fifth starter, fourth, fifth starter. And, you know, if guys push him out, then so be it. And if not, then at least you have someone that can eat innings again.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I can't take any more of the uh, the innings, nom, 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 whatever, all that stuff. I can't For take the that boys. anymore. <laughs> For the boys. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it is a tough question. I, I agree with Zach. It, it's a tough question. I feel like it should be an easy answer, but it's like, I don't really have a firm opinion either way like there's no denying that he exceeded expectations this year although I did call him preseason my all-star uh, <laughs> pick for the Orioles I was joking around with that but I think it almost turned out to be true um you know 32 starts in ERA around what four and a half four outs away from a new career high in innings pitch like statistically I did not imagine he was going to do that I imagine 150 innings area five and a half hope he gets to the end of the year but I think the biggest thing was like you mentioned the impact on the younger guys. Like I don't, I was never really someone who believed in all of this. You know, he's a clubhouse guy. You got to have the big club, the clubhouse factor. Like if you're looking at free agents and if it's, well, this guy is going to be a bigger clubhouse presence, bring him in. Like I think, no, don't sacrifice talent for clubhouse chemistry, but the way this roster was set up coming into the year, like, I, I think, what Jordan Lyle's brought was you can't really measure it per se, but it was huge. Same with Odor. Um, This pitching staff was pretty inexperienced and they needed someone to look up to and someone who was willing to say like, I've been around for a long time and here's how I've stuck around. And like, you can make all the jokes you want about Jordan Lyle's and his talent, but that talent has kept him as a major league pitcher for what, 10 years was 10th season or ninth year. Like, he's been out for almost a decade in the big leagues. Like, you don't do that if you suck, despite what, you know, many like armchair pitching coaches like to think, right? Like the, and the pitching staff, like there's talent there. And there are some young guys like Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish. What if Dean Kramer didn't rebound? What if Kyle Bradish didn't come back from the IL and pitch the way he did? Like, I think we're entering 2023, a lot more confident with these guys and where they stand and allows played a major role in that. Um, you know what could he be that same with Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall? I don't know. If so, like, yeah, I want that. Bring that back, it's worth the money. But like, I guess where I have finally fallen on it is do you think he can repeat a 1.4 F4 season? Like he wasn't a big strikeout guy. A lot of those peripherals were not very promising. He gets barreled a lot. Um, he might have we might be at this point where he did his job and it's time to move on. He imparted the wisdom on the young guys. We got peak Jordan Lyles on the mound, but I wouldn't be posed to, you know, using that money elsewhere and let's go up a new tier, right? Like let's go after higher ceiling guys. That's, that's my big thing here is yes. He, he was good. He had a high floor. He did help save that season with when John means went
2: down and everything, but let's look at maybe some higher ceiling guys next year. Yeah. He had more than 50 innings more than the next highest innings total pitcher individual. I'm just saying words at this point, but I think you can get the same kind of guy that's going to do that, but hopefully a a more talented version.
0: Wallace did something this year that I don't think we are used to seeing from Orioles pitchers, certainly not in the Candom Yards era, where he was significantly better at home than he was on the road. His strikeout numbers, which were not very good this year, were actually better on the road. But everything else was better at home. An ERA of three four seven at home compared to an ERA of five two five on the road. That five two five ERA, a lot more in line with Lyle's career total of five ten through last season. Um, also, you know, in that time period, gave up a lot more home runs on the road. Twenty of his twenty six home runs allowed last season came on the road. So I think part of the question here is, could his success last year? be sustainable, knowing that when he goes on the road, he's significantly worse pitcher. Um, And at that, could he do that at Camden Yards back-to-back years?
1: Yeah, see, I, I don't have faith in you're going to get the same kind of production and, like, quote-unquote production from Jordan Liles. Like, yeah, he did his job. He ate innings. But, like, aren't we kind of done with this whole we just need innings Guys, like th- I thought, the plan next year is like to win, to win the AL East, to go after a playoff run. I-, I just think Jordan Lyles kind of did his job. He did a fantastic job. He was worth every single penny this past year, and I think the impact he had on guys like Braddish and Kramer and the other young guys on this roster, like I said, you can't measure it, and it's fantastic contribution. But like my sights are set higher now. Like I, I, I want you can find guys with equally high as floor as Jordan Lyles. But higher ceilings, guys who are going to get more strikeouts, guys who are have longer, better track records than Jordan Lowe's, I think for okay, you might have to spend an extra five, ten million dollars a year, but hopefully we're at this point now where the Orioles are going to be willing to spend that extra five, ten million dollars a year.
2: Yeah, I would rather like let like I already said, exercise the option, maybe find a trade for him for a mid-tier prospect, something along those lines, or a major leaguer in a similar situation that could be more useful, whether it's in the bullpen or. On the offensive side, I, I'd rather see them sign a guy like Sean Maniah or Chris Bassett, who a little bit more money, obviously. I think Sean Maniah you could get at a value similar to the Jordan Lyle's contract, especially since he had a pretty rough end to his season, looking for a bounce back to get back on the market. But I think guys like that have a little more upside as well, especially Bassett. But I'd like to see them sign a guy and trade for a guy a la... Shane Bieber, Pablo Lopez, et cetera. The names have been out there, but I think you got to get two legitimate starting pitchers to uh, to get on in this rotation to start of next year.
0: Yeah, and regardless of whether or not Jordan Wiles is part of the solution, the issue of innings doesn't go away completely for the Orioles next year because you expect to see a lot more Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish. Their innings totals said spike. If Tyler Wells is back in the rotation and is healthy, there is more innings there. But I also just don't know how the Orioles are going to manage Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall. If both of them are in the major or in the rotation on opening day, which is something we're going to talk about in a little bit, um you probably play conservative with them early in the year because you know you want to be deep into the playoffs. You want to get to the playoffs. You want to be deep into the playoffs. And you don't want to have to shut down Grayson Rodriguez in early September because well Hit his innings limit already. We really uh, didn't use him correctly, and uh, we're setting him down. We're shutting him down. We're shutting down D.L. Hall because, again, big inning, big innings climb for this year. Um, so I would imagine at the front of the season, you're going to have to be conservative with both of those guys, and that's probably the strongest argument for keeping Miles around. But I think you can also get a better pitcher on the free agent market this year because there are a lot of pitchers that – kind of fit that mold that have had a little more success and have a little bit higher ceiling. And perhaps most importantly, probably aren't, not all of them are going to be attached to a qualifying offer. So you could potentially pick up a starting pitcher without costing yourself a draft pick.
1: Yeah. We can look at, I don't know if we want to talk about some of those options. Now there's a lot of comments. People want to talk free agent pitchers. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like,
2: uh I lost all my stuff. Um Hunter Davis also, says what's right? a realistic innings limit for Grayson Rodriguez next year? 125, 150. Um, I'm thinking 130, 140. I don't know what you guys think. Just coming off of that, you know, the back strain limited his innings a little bit. I think he would be more in line for one fifty if he didn't go down. But yeah, Vivek says one twenty five, one thirty. I think a little bit more than that, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right.
1: Sure. I don't know about innings, whatever, <laughs> just go pitch. Um, but like, I, I think my thing with Jordan Lyles too, and we're going to talk about some of these other pitchers, but when you see what the Orioles were able to do with guys like Austin Voth and even Spencer Watkins, I know he, you know, he wasn't fantastic by any means, but he gave you a couple of reliable starts and this was a guy who had no MLB experience when the Orioles signed him. He came on our show <laughs> right after he signed right and. We didn't even know who he was um, when he came on. We barely knew who he was when he came on our show. And now you're like, all right, I don't feel terrible. Spencer Watkins needs to fill in for us. Like, I just think you saw so many, the Brian Bakers, the Siono Perez's, you saw so many guys take a huge step forward, the veterans. I can't remember who talked about this, um, how, you know, the player development process it was the podcast article, what I was reading, who said this, but you know, the player development process uh, isn't just about minor leagues. It's the major league too, right? It continues on at the major league level. And that player development process helped so many guys become big-time contributors, uh, pitching-wise for the Orioles. You can take that with someone with uh, the higher ceiling, a better quality pitcher than Jordan Lyles. Imagine what the Orioles could do with that type of pitcher. That's that's my only you know, kind of last thought on Lyles there.
2: Yeah, I think a good case for either declining the, the option or ex- accepting it and then trading him is, like you said, even if you needed to fill in for an injury or, or there was just you needed some more depth, we got guys now. Austin Voth and Spencer Watkins. I I probably feel more confident in Austin Voth than uh, Jordan Lowe's going out there in a game you need to win, just because the stuff's a little bit better. Even if you know over the long haul, he's probably not going to give you quite as many innings. But and I feel like Voth is more versatile, where you could pitch him in long relief, short relief, start him. And Jordan Lowes is basically just give me the ball. I'm going to pitch as long as I possibly can until the other team either scores five or six runs or I hit 120 pitches.
0: Yeah. Some of the names that I think you're, if you're going to be looking at starting pitchers in the free agent market, there are more of that mid tier. I know Chris Bassett is a name that a lot of our listeners have brought up. That's a guy that I could definitely see being a fit. Uh, you've also got Noah Syndergaard is going to be a free agent after this season. Mike Clevenger Um, Jose Quintana, who was effective for the Cardinals down the stretch. So you are going to have a lot of options. And I do think, though, that a big area for the Orioles to improve in, if that starting pitching and the bullpen are going to get better, I think particularly those starting pitching, is going to have to be you need more strikeout guys. Grayson Rodriguez is going to help address that problem. I could see the strikeouts going up for Kyle Braddus next year. Um, and then obviously D.L. Hall would be in that equation too. But I guess what I wonder is if you're looking at free agents starting pitching, do you look at the strikeout numbers a little more closely? Or do you figure get a Jordan Wilds type who might not strike out a lot of batters and look to make gains in that area elsewhere?
2: Yeah, I'm looking for stuff. I'm looking for better stuff at this point, like a Nathan E. Evaldi, maybe. Um, what's another name here? Jamison Tyone. I feel like there's could be. Decent guys. Noah Syndergaard. I don't know. For some reason, I'm not really feeling him as much, and I don't know. Even though he's he did okay with the Phillies in the postseason, but if uh, I think I saw today, Luis Severino looks like his option is going to get picked up by the Yankees. I would have liked to grab a guy like that. And there's that guy, the Kodai, the Japanese uh, guy that's supposed to be coming over. You know, I, I'd look at something like that where it's not only like he could be a great pitcher for you, but finally. You can get yourself back into that market where I feel like the Orioles haven't played in since Wei and Chen came around.
1: Yeah, I looked. I looked at the free agent list, um, surface area looking, but yeah, I like Ivaldi a lot as an option. I mean, he's got plenty of experience in the in the AL East. Almost a six war pitcher last season, but this year only made like nineteen or twenty starts, but he was still effective. Um, and it, I even noticed too, kind of looking at his numbers a little bit more that you know, the the slider wasn't great. It was one of his most used pitches, but it wasn't very effective. And how many articles and how many discussions have we had about, you know, the Orioles and and the sweeper revolution that's overtaking Baltimore? Like, what if you can teach Evaldi this new slider, tinker with his slider and add another dimension to his game? Um, I do like Chris Bassett. I think Bassett, everybody's throwing that name out there. I think he's kind of this perfect example of let's go to the next tier above Jordan Lyles. Um, You know, he a little bit higher ceiling and maybe not a much higher ceiling, but still higher floor. Uh, Tyler Anderson, he's coming off a career year with the Dodgers. So I don't know if, you know, can he be another four war pitcher with the Orioles, but he doesn't walk guys and doesn't allow hard contact. Uh, I do like Sean Maniah, his struggles. I was listening to uh, one of the Padres podcast. Let's do, they said, apparently it was like a dead arm issue and the Padres were finally like, just go rest. And when he came back close to the end of the year, he was actually like really effective. So yeah, it could be interesting interesting uh, mix, but I even put it out there on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, we had a lot of responses on Twitter. Um, I can shout out some people here if I can find the list here. Yeah, at King of Fedors, gave a sneaky pick of Ross Stripling. I don't know if you guys feel about that. Sub 4% walk rate with Toronto, 3.1 war season. Harrison Br- Bruns threw out the name Martin Perez, 196 innings with Texas, 2.89 ERA. And then uh, Morgan Green at Morgan Green said uh as a Lyles-esque flyer option, Michael Lorenzen.
2: And then a bunch of people put out Carlos Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco. That one I'm not too sure about. I think another there there's actually quite a few options here. If they want to go, there's Kyle Gibson, Corey Kluber. I feel like that's a guy that, you know, the velocity's down. He's not the top end type of guy he was with Cleveland, but he's still got great breaking ball, good changeup. You can you can work with that if he's got the pitch ability. Michael Walker had a decent year. Zach Greinke, if he wants to continue to pitch, I don't know. Same with Rich Hill, old guys. But uh, maybe Michael Pineda, it's a guy I wanted last year. And signed with the Tigers, and I think he got hurt. But there's really a pretty decent amount of depth here in the starting pitching market. So you got to at least get one or two of these guys for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're going to see the Orioles get into the pitching market somewhere um, to go after a free agent because although I think a trade is ultimately going to be how you bring in that big arm, you're not going to want to trade too much from your farm system this offseason. I think you can go out and you could get pitchers in that tier pretty easily. And you know, like I said, the qualifying offer scenario, if you've got a few of them that don't have qualifying offers attached to them where like Nick said, maybe they have the traits that you like and you can work with them to you know, start throwing a sweeper rather than a subpar slider, that could go a long way to making these players better. And it could be a selling point between that and the fact that the data after one year shows that moving the left field wall back made a big difference. It benefited pitchers. So yeah, those are things you can now take to pitchers and say, this is what you can do if you come to Baltimore. You couldn't do that before last season
1: you want to throw out the name that we were talking about right before you came on that uh, you saw, Zach, as an option for the Orioles for, uh, as a trade partner? See if people in the chat like it or not.
0: Yeah, so there was an article uh, today over at The Athletic, and I'm going to pull up the particulars here. Uh, it was a Mariners mailbag, and the question came up about how the pitcher starting pitching you know, would be handled this offseason, and Corey Brock, who writes at The Athletic, threw out that Chris Flexen might be a trade candidate, that Flexen apparently had the interest of a few teams over the trade deadline. The Mariners obviously didn't move him. But it is an interesting fit for the Orioles. After a really strong 2021 season, he did take a step back in some areas in 2022. Walks went up. Um, He threw about 42 42 fewer innings this past season than he did in 2021, but still uh, he'll be 28 years old. He's 28 now. So just turned 28 in July. So possibly some room for development there a little bit. So I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on this.
2: It's like we were talking about before with me, like the strikeouts, he only strikes eight strikes out like six batters per nine. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously with the new wall, you were saying you couldn't, sell pictures on that before you could sell them on hey you only have to play here half the time so not that big of a deal but yeah i don't know i mean again i feel like this would be a great guy to go after if you're the baltimore orioles in 2020 2021 going into 2022 but i think i'm looking a little bit notch above here if i'm trying to be a contending ball club in 2023
1: yeah, agreed. I saw that. And I was waiting for when are they going to say Orioles as an option? Uh, and MLB trade rumors, mentioned Orioles. And Cleveland as specific targets. Like, if you're going to take, I don't know, like a, a Robert Newstrom and, I don't know, some 18-year-old you know, kid, maybe I would make that deal. But, yeah, that one's – I do like the strikeout point as well because just, I mean, the strikeouts weren't really there with the starters this year. And if you can get guys with better strikeout stuff – you mentioned Grayson Rodriguez will help that for sure. D.L. Hall hopefully will. Maybe Kyle Brash takes a jump, but when I mean, you're talking about proven veterans who can stabilize this rotation, especially if Jordan Lows is no longer around, Flexen is kind of a meh. I feel like there's going to be a lot of those articles though, that just try to pawn guys like Flexen off on the Orioles as a oh they want to spend money here go take this guy when
0: there's
2: I'd like the <laughs> oh, Orioles.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'd like to think that the Orioles are going to be like, no, nah, we're we're past that point now.
0: The concern I have with Flexen is that he had a really low home run to fly ball rate this past season, and he's pitching in a pitcher-friendly park in Seattle. And while we know that Canham Yards plays more neutral now, it's still not T-Mobile Park. So that would be something with Flexen When you're looking at a guy who had a home run to fly ball rate of 8.5 and and XFIP of over 5, that's a little alarming to me that you would take him out of that environment – Put him in Baltimore where you know it's going to be a little bit more challenging. Not as challenging as it was before 2022, but still a little more challenging. And then, yeah, it just doesn't – if the Orioles got him as part of a larger package with the Mariners, like let's say there was a lot of moving parts, more coming back in the deal, and you get Chris Flexen, or you've made a couple of moves to pit, you know, to improve the rotation, and then towards the end of the offseason, you get what you think is a fair trade, and you get Chris Flexen in as another option, but not necessarily the guy you are counting on to be in the middle of your rotation. I'd be okay with that, but this is not the guy I'm targeting.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. And, uh, yeah, I like the German Marquez option as well, but Vivek says it's the Rockies, so they're probably going to hold on to him, let him go, and then not offer him the qualifying offer and get, lose him for nothing.
1: What What percent odds – because, of course, I know when I put the question on Twitter, a lot of people, obviously, Carlos Rodon was the most popular in Jacob deGrom, and everybody wants Justin Verlander, those top three guys. What are the chances we think the Orioles seriously go after any of those top-tier guys, like over, under
2: 5%? under Over 5%, <laughs> less than 10% for me.
0: Um, I th- think if it's one of them, it's Rodon. But do you really think Steve Cohen's going to let Jacob deGrom go? Um, no. And I don't know if Verlander wins another world series in Houston. Is he going to leave there? I, I just, so as much fun as it is a daydream and as much as we would like to see the Orioles get involved in that. I also feel like their current homes are pretty strong candidates to retain them. Yeah. Agreed. So we'll go now to um, a group of pitchers. We hope there are going to be in that conversation, the top tier starters in a few years. And that's Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall. Unfortunately, it was a lat injury he suffered in June. We didn't see Rodriguez in the major leagues this year. Um, Hall, however, did get up in August, made one start before going back to Norfolk to work out of the bullpen, and then came to the season, back to the Orioles later in the season, and pitched in relief. The results for Hall were mixed bag, definitely struggled at times, but also limited the hard hit rate, was not giving up a lot of hard base hits and definitely looks better towards the end of the season. So the expectation is that Hall will be a starter in 2023, but it doesn't seem right now that he's guaranteed an opening day rotation spot. So Nick, I'll start with you. Looking at Rodriguez and Hall, do you think that right now, if you were putting together a rotation, do you think that they would both be in it? And if not, what would you want to see them work on at Norfolk before you would promote them?
1: couple things with that um both of them will be in the starting rotation to begin the year no excuses i don't think Uh, i know how a lot of people feel about dl hall and maybe they're right you're talking about the command i know a lot of people say yes he has this electric stuff we know how good the stuff is but he's never going to be able to figure it out maybe you're right i don't know but maybe he is a better fit for the bullpen but i've said many times that if deal hall comes up and becomes a dominant reliever like that's a, that's a success I'm not gonna be mad about that at all but like you give him every chance next year to be a starter on this team in the major leagues like he didn't throw a baseball for eight months last year and only made seven minor league starts in 2021 to, uh, then get shut down for eight months did not throw a baseball again until December comes back this season goes through the rehab starts, goes through the double A, goes through triple A, gets caught up to the big leagues. I know DL Hall's never going to use this as an excuse, but you have to wonder like, where was he at physically at that point by the end of the year when he was finally in the major leagues. So I want to see what a full, healthy offseason does for him. If I see him or Grayson Rodriguez in a Norfolk Tides uniform again, I'm going to lose it. I cannot watch them pitch in the minor leagues anymore. They are done in the minor leagues. Learn it in the major leagues. Grayson, I'll give a little bit of benefit of the doubt, the injury stuff, I, I get it, but Dl hall you put him in this major league rotation if he doesn't work out try him out in the bullpen we'll see but no more norfolk please for Dl hall it's majors or bust for him at this point
2: yeah it's uh it's got i think there's no chance that either one of them starts in the minor leagues um i think because they're both top 100 prospects they're both eligible for the rookie of the year award with Gunnar henderson grayson Rodriguez, and Dl hall We're going to get a draft pick, I think, between the three of them. So, yeah, even if it's not in a rotation for Hall, I think he, like, here's what Vivek is saying. So with Hall and Rodriguez in the rotation, Kramer and Braddish and both and free agent signing and a trade target and John Means comes back. Yeah, there's definitely not enough room for everybody, but I think that's a good problem to have. But I think it's like you said, and it's insane to say this. His stuff was diminished by the time he got to the major leagues last year just from exhaustion and in just a long season coming back from injuries. So you're going to see a different pitcher, I think in spring training of 2023, I think you're going to see him sitting around 98 as opposed to 95, 96. And yeah, I I'm going to say he grabs the reins in spring training, at least wins a rotation spot to start the season. And then when John means comes back, maybe because of innings, you want to transition him into like a a one time through the order dominant reliever, out of the bullpen down the stretch. I'm not sure, but yeah, I think they're both going to be in the opening day rotation. Somebody out of all these guys that surprised this year are not, and I don't know who it's going to be, but that's why you have depth in case of injuries or underperformance.
0: Yeah, I I don't know what sending Hall back to Norfolk. I don't know what good that would do him at this point. I think he had enough time at triple a that, you know, what he needs to work on and that he can do it at the major leagues. Because if those same questions had kind of persisted about Kyle Bradish, he would have been down there until June this year. Um, and instead, I think that Bradish only didn't make the rotation on opening day because of the lockout and how that affected his buildup in spring training. Otherwise I think he would have been in the rotation and I think he would have stuck all year. So, you know, we know that Hall has command issues, but I don't think that it's the kind of thing that you can't fix in the major leagues. And if you find that you can't fix it, then the next step is probably to put him in the bullpen and see what he does over shorter outings. I do think he's always going to kind of be more in that Blake Snell mold um, where it's probably five and dive most starts for him. But if he can do that, I think that that's good for him. And then with Rodriguez, that's your future ace. That's the guy that's going to do everything for you. He's going to eat innings. He's going to strike people out. He's not going to give up home runs. He's just going to dominate. He's got the talent to do it. So you want to be a little careful, I think, in that you don't want to overuse him next year, especially with him missing that time because of the lat injury. But he could be a big difference maker from day one next year. Yeah, I agree. I I want to see what he's got first
1: and foremost. Let's see. Um, yeah. Rodriguez. Yeah. And, like you're going to need, you're going to need to break camp with like nine, eight or nine solid starters. Right. Because we know injury is going to happen. We know I look at Kramer and Bradish. right. Are both of them going to end the year as these, you know, dominant major league starters. I'd be happy if just one of them makes it through the whole year. And is like, that's a guy that is going to stick around for the next couple of years. Give me one of those. Uh, give me one between Grayson Rodriguez and deal hall. Give me one of those guys. That's definitely going to stick. We know John means can come back and be a reliable rotation piece. We'll see how much we get out of him this year. I don't anticipate a whole lot out of him this year, uh, which is fine. He can go back the next year stronger and be a solid mid rotation guy back of the rotation guy. Uh, you, and eventually maybe it's not this off season. Maybe it's next trade deadline. Maybe it's next off season, but you go out, and you make that big trade for that frontline starter just roll with this season with the eight, nine options. You got bring in two or three good free agents and let's just give this big group and go and see who comes out on top and see who's that bullpen piece. A lot of these guys do, or some of the other names that we're going to talk about, they're versatile and that they can work as starters or they can also, they have the traits to be effective bullpen arms. Like other than Spencer Watkins, which I don't really know, but
2: these other guys, they're versatile. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. When we eventually talk about the bullpen for next year, Mm -hmm. I feel like, Some of those guys that we're going to fill the spots are guys we're talking about as possible starting rotation candidates as well between Austin Voth and even a guy like Michael Bauman who can ramp it up to 98 99 out of the bullpen. So there's going to be room for pitchers. You can never have too many.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get into more of those names later on the show. But first, we're happy to welcome a new sponsor here to On the Birds. DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook app, is coming to Maryland. But you don't have to wait to get in on the action. Right now, new customers who sign up with the code on the Verge will receive $200 in free bets on launch day after registering. Plus, five lucky customers will win a $100,000 free bet on launch day. It won't be long until you can bet same game parlays, money lines, props, spreads, and more right here in Maryland with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with the code on the Verge. That's code on the Verge only at DraftKings Sportsbook app. Please play responsibly. For help, visit Maryland GamblingHelp.org or call 1 800 Gambler21. 1 800 Gambler21 plus physically present in Maryland, eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements. See DraftKings.com forward slash Maryland for full terms and conditions. One per customer, bonus issued as is free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Void where prohibited. Ends first day, DraftKings is allowed to operate in Maryland. See terms at DraftKings.com forward slash Maryland. So thank you to DraftKings for signing up as a new sponsor here and on the Verge. And we'll get into now some of the pitchers that were so integral to the Orioles' success in 2022 and kind of came as surprises. And this is both starters and relievers. And we want to figure out, how are the Orioles going to handle them? And I'll kind of go one by one here and start with Kyle Bradish. We've talked about him a lot tonight. He was on our top 10 prospect list coming into the season. All three of us have been pretty high mm-hmm. on him. And we're pleased with how he ended the season, especially the way he pits after coming off the IL in the middle of the summer. Bob, it looks at this point like Bradish is a rotation uh, piece. Yeah, I think we've kind of silenced some of the discussion about whether or not he ends up in the bullpen. But in your ideal, how would he fit into the rotation going into next year?
2: To me, he's like, if we go into next season and he is the fourth starter, I think that's perfectly fine. I think in the second half, after he came back from injury, he had what, an ERA just over three. He was striking out more batters. I feel like he had some really dominant outings against good teams as well. So I think you saw the upside there. The organization has been high on him all the way through. I think he's living up to their expectations after a bit of a rough start. But if he's your fourth or fifth starter going into the year, I do not think that there's anything wrong with that. And that's, you know, including Grayson and D.L. Hall. So maybe you get a trade for the the ace, you get sign a free agent for two. Then you have Grayson, Bradish Hall, and then your other guys, waiting in the wings i think i think that's pretty good i i I think bradish has a a real chance to be a long-term stability piece in at the back end of this rotation if not in the middle i mean
1: you're not going to come out your front office is not going to come out and put bradish on par with grayson rodriguez and dl hall just as like lip service if you don't actually mean that that's what i think um you talk about the before the injury versus after the injury. I pulled those numbers because they are there's a stark difference. Um, let's see. Through June 18th, which is his last start before he went in the IL, ERA over 7, a whip of 1.77, 335 average against, 22% sh- percent strikeout rate and 8.5% walk rate. 13 starts after his IL stint. He had a 3.28 ERA, a 1.16 whip, 208 average against. He threw, what, 17 and two-thirds? innings against the Astros and gave up what one run two runs against the Astros or no runs no runs against those Astros in those two starts Boston he had a seven run uh, he did have that seven run outing in two and a third against Boston but the start before that he pitched uh, he only allowed one run across seven innings against Boston so like he had dominant success against playoff teams and two unbelievable starts against a team that's getting ready to start the World Series uh, right now so yeah, fantastic second half for Bradish, And you just look at the stuff that he had. Like, yeah, the fastball was getting punished. So he stopped throwing the fastball so much. He threw more breaking balls, that sweeper, more sliders. Uh, and those are fantastic pitches. And so I think maybe this offseason is a lot like we we talked about that Noah DeNoyer conversation he had. I, this popped into my head when I'm thinking about Bradish, Like, same kind of offseason. You're getting used to this those secondary pitches, these, these new offerings that the Orioles are tinkering with. You use this offseason, to get comfortable, and you know refine the pitch mix a little bit. Get more comfortable. Maybe the fastball plays up a little bit more when you nail down that pitch mix, and you feel more confident throwing those secondaries and those breaking balls and, and unique counts. And Bradish really takes off next year. I, I hope he does. He exceeded. I've always been super high on Bradish, but I think he he honestly exceeded my expectations of what I thought he would do in the
0: majors his rookie year. Yeah, and he was so impressive coming after coming off the I.L. And I, the way that he mixed in his breaking balls more often, like you said, was a, a big adjustment. And it was encouraging to see him make that kind of change in the middle of a major league season when things had not been going his way um, early on in, in Baltimore. So I think that, like you said, Bob, if he's your number four going into next year, you can feel pretty happy about that. We'll go now with Spencer Watkins. Definite stuff jump this year was successful at times as a starter seemed to wear down a little bit late in the season. But as someone who is pre-arbitration eligible could be of use to the Orioles next year, uh, particularly in either a starter role or perhaps a long inning relief. Nick, I'll go with you. Um, I think Watkins, the season he had kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Do you think that it's repeatable and what how do you see him fitting onto this Orioles roster next year?
1: In short spurts, yeah, I could see him you know, being able to repeat some of that success. I don't think he's going to be a true candidate for the starting rotation, but like I wouldn't be mad if he, if the Orioles are able to bring him back on maybe a minor league deal, uh, or maybe they're able to maneuver it so he he's back in Norfolk next year. I would love to have him back as this kind of AAA depth arm. Like, give him the opportunity in spring training. Let's see what you can do. Like, sure, he'll be in in the mix there for a little bit, but. Uh, to have someone like Watkins down that triple A roster, I think could be pretty big just because think back the last couple of years at that Norfolk tides rotation and the guys that you had to uh, rely on, like the Connor Wade's of the world. I had blocked some of these guys out of my memory. I had to go back and like, look, Connor Wade, these guys, they come up to the big leagues, they get shelled and then they get DFA'd. And then they bounce around two more organizations. And then they're pitching an indie ball two months later, like Spencer Watkins, isn't going to be one of those guys. And if you need him up for, you know, 10 starts next year if he can give you five or six good you know quality five inning starts that's a success that's that's you need a triple a AAA
2: rotation full of those guys to help get you through the season yeah i agree mm-hmm. i think you keep him around on the 40 man you you start him in triple a norfolk whether it's in the rotation or it's out of the bullpen in multi inning role i think that's a guy that like you said you can bring him up and maybe if if a team likes him enough maybe he is a the final piece in a trade to uh to get acquire someone else that's more interesting and more of use. But yeah, I think most likely he'll he'll probably pitch for the Orioles in 2023, but it'll be a spot 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 start here and there or just uh, you know, a couple of relievers go down. We need someone that can give us some innings out of the bullpen, that kind of thing. And you can certainly do worse as we have seen over the past few years than a Spencer Watkins in that role.
0: Yeah. One byproduct of the major league team getting better is that you should have more depth like that at AAA. And I think Watkins could fit that role. Or if you're going to keep him around in the majors for most of the season, then another option could be to put him in a multi-inning relief role. Maybe he backs up D.L. Hall or Grayson Rodriguez early on. Uh, Perhaps Tyler Wells, depending on how the Orioles decide to manage his innings. But I could definitely see Watkins having a role, even if he's not a guy that's pitching out of the rotation every five days all season. We'll go now to Austin Voth. Um, A waiver claim from the Washington Nationals, the worst team in Major League Baseball this season. Early in the season, and this was a move that was pretty widely panned at the time. And then Voth went on to be very successful for the Orioles had 22 games, 17 starts, a three Oh four ERA with 72 strikeouts against his 25 walks in 83 innings pits. He is one of the textbook cases of the Orioles introducing a sweeper into someone's repertoire and seeing him basically take off with it from day one as he included it in his mix of pitches coming into next season, though, you have to wonder where both exactly fits in. And I'll start with you, Bob. Um, I don't think any of us saw this coming. It was very encouraging, especially for me as someone who um, kind of helped build the Austin Voth hype train when I was covering the nationals years ago. But uh, what do you, th- how do you see him fitting in in 2023?
2: Redemption at last for you, Zach. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but Ben Durst was a big uh, proponent of, getting rid of Valt as soon as possible after we uh, claimed him and turned out to work out pretty well. I think this is the guy like you were talking about with Spencer Watkins. You could start the year backing up a DL Hall in case, you know, can only get through four or five innings. I really like his stuff. Obviously the spin rate is what got our attention introduced the sweeper. The rest is history. I feel like he's versatile. Like I was saying earlier, like he, he started, he kind of wore out fifth or sixth inning second, third time to the lineup, but he, he is very effective when he's in there. And I think in shorter stints, one time through the the lineup, he could be even better. And, yeah, I don't know. He's definitely going to play a role. He's definitely sticking around. He'll be on the major league roster to start the year. I'm not sure he's going to be in the rotation, even though he did really, really well there this past year. But he's got a place on a team, and he's a, a free arm they just plucked out of nowhere. So, Chris Holt, yeah. you're, you're a genius. <laughs> We've heard that before.
1: Yeah, as to say, we've been told by players that exact phrase. Uh, he's shout out to Austin Both. I was Team Ben on that one. Get rid of why bring him in? He's one of the worst pitchers in baseball, statistically speaking, on one of the worst teams in baseball at the time. But like, credit to this organization. Uh, he made me a fan. Uh, they identified the strengths, what they could do to improve him, and credit to Both for putting in the work and carrying that plan out. Like it's, it takes both parties there to work out, and I think he earned a role next year. I'm not going to pencil him in my starting rotation for the Orioles next year, but, you know, there's, I don't know, could he take over the Keegan Aiken role next year, right? Be that long man out of the bullpen. Uh, He can still give you two, three innings. He can go through an order one time. Uh, If that gives you a good two, three innings, that could be a good candidate. You have DL Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, both as a guy who comes in behind one of those two. Um, So you you help soften those innings for those guys. If you're going to put an innings limit on DL Hall again and, I'm sure there's going to be something on Grayson Rodriguez, but like, yeah, credit to both. I think it's probably honestly one of the bigger, if not the biggest player development success stories of 2022 in the major leagues. Like that, that's comforting. Like I mentioned before, it's to know you can find like guys like this off the waiver wire, or maybe you can get one of those sneaky free agents. As someone responds to the tweet with here's my sneaky claim. I was like, that's that's a good way to phrase this. Who are the sneaky free agents? That's who you should be looking at out there in the market. Guys with those traits who the Orioles have confidence in saying we can make this guy into you know Austin both 2.0 but better. Um, so yeah, I, I love it.
0: Go now, speaking of a player development success story, that was Dean Kramer, who after really, really struggling in the major leagues in 2021 and not looking that great in major league spring training, bounced back in a big way this year, 125 and a third innings pits. Had a walk rate of 2.4, walk rate, walk per nine inning rate of 2.4, a 3.23 ERA with 87 strikeouts in that span. So, kind of typical of some of the Orioles pitchers this year. Not a lot of strikeouts, but very successful despite that. And Nick, I want to get your thoughts on Kramer because you go back to the first year we did this show, 2020, and we got a taste of Dean Kramer that summer in the shortened major league season. I think if you had told us then. This is what Dean Kramer's stat line is going to look like in 2022. It would have seemed about right. So do you think that Kramer, what we saw from him this year is a sign that what happened in 2021 was just an unfortunate blip on the radar and that you've got a guy that can be a dependable mid to back end starter for a contending team?
1: Possibly, I think he just scarred me so much when he was in AAA recently that I, I got to see more. But like, it does feel good to have a conversation right now about Dean Kramer as a legitimate starting pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles in 2023, because like you saw what he did in AAA last year. Even you know early on in the this year, it was like I just don't think this guy's got it. I we asked people like, was it more mental? You know, is this just something mental that Kramer's got to get over? And not so much, you know, we know the stuff is there. And obviously none of the, the the guys in the organization we asked that question to gave us, you know, an exact answer. But I, I just got the sense that it, maybe it was. The organization Organization always believed in his stuff, but it was just that mental block. There was just something that speed bumped there in his way. And I think he's not over it completely, but he started to get over that hump a little bit. I mean, I... I went back and reread uh, Ben Palmer, one time co-host of the show and fellow BSL contributor. He wrote late in the season about Dean Kramer. And I went back and read that again today. And you know, he said like, look, the, the fastball is good. The cutter is good. Uh, but, you know, the secondaries, even that that curveball that we all fell in love with when he was a prospect, weren't really that good. But with curveball, he's dropping those right over middle, middle over the plate. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's about pitch mix. It's about command of the pitch, put it in the right spot. And so if he can work on that, I think Kramer is a guy who goes into this new pitching lab the Orioles have, and he could be a guy who really takes off next year when when he has an offseason in that lab. Um, I hope so. I hope so. Like I said earlier, if we can just get one between Kramer and Braddish really pan out, I'll be satisfied.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because the next two guys we're going to talk about, starting with Kramer, I mean, they're both guys that have been pretty – big strikeout guys in the past and just did not do it this year. Kramer only struck out just over six per nine this season, despite all the success. But again, at the same time, his FIP was not that much higher than his ERA. So it doesn't seem like a fluke. It's just a different uh, way of going about it, I guess, than we expected as he was coming up as a prospect. He deserves to be in the starting rotation to start 2023. Honestly, if it was like the old Orioles, he'd probably be the opening day starter as a reward for his breakout season but I just I mean maybe he'll start the season as a fifth starter and hopefully he can cling on there to that spot but I just the way I think they're going to upgrade plus the guys coming up I, I think his his end result might be starting the season in the bullpen and then probably getting 15 20 starts as the season goes on because of injuries and stuff like that but Again, it's just a great problem to have that you have a guy like Kramer who pitched to an ERA just over three, over 125 innings, and you're like, is he going to make the starting rotation? Not something I thought I'd say about the uh, the Orioles anytime
0: soon. And we'll go to that second pitcher now, who I think there are similar questions about, and that's Tyler Wells, who after a successful rookie season in the bullpen, after being chosen in the Rule 5 draft from the Minnesota Twins in 2021, moved into the rotation this year and was solid overall, although he was limited by injury to 103 and two thirds innings pitched. And in that span walked us 28 batters as a four-two-five ERA. Strikeouts were down, and some of that may have been a little bit deliberate as Wells tried to pitch deep into the season. Um, and remember that Wells had been a starter in the twin system before undergoing Tommy John surgery and then ultimately being taken in the rule five draft by the Orioles. So There was a sense at the time that the Orioles took Wells that this move could happen. And leading up to the 2022 season, we heard a lot of discussion about it. They ultimately did it. And I had some apprehension about it at the time. I'm not going to lie because for once the Orioles had a young pitcher who was pretty much a success from the get-go in a season. And it seemed like he had found a home in the bullpen. And I wasn't inclined to – take that away yet at times he looks like a very good major league starting pitcher this year so nick turn it over to you which is are you sold on tyler wells as a starter at this point point? and do you see an opening for him in the rotation next year or do they maybe look at putting him back in the bullpen in some role
1: there could be a hole for him in the rotation i hope there's not though like, I don't know if this is like super hot takey or not, but I said it before last season that I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of this work him as a starter experiment. But I mean, who else is going to start for the Orioles at the beginning of this past season? turns out you really didn't need him. And he was fantastic. Unbelievable. Real five pickup. No doubt about that. But I just think that it, I, I Fine with just keeping him in the bullpen, move him back to the bullpen. He can be maybe he's the setup guy. He's what six seven, six eight. You bring him in with Felix Batista, work the eighth and the ninth. Uh, I and then you have Siono Perez who's what five eight, maybe <laughs> like um you can, that's a unique uh back of bullpen trio, but like I think he can be a really dominant reliever. I just don't see a need for him in the rotation. And he's you can still pitch also pitch him in a way where. If you do need to stretch him out as a starter, it won't be that difficult. But I'm also hoping that you've got Rodriguez, you've got Hall, at least to begin the year, you've got Grace Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, and you've signed at least two quality, uh, emphasis on quality, free agents, as those are six names to start off that uh, five-man rotation. And you won't need Tyler Wells in the rotation. That's not saying he's not a good pitcher. I think he's a fantastic pitcher who has a, a great role on this team. I just think it's
2: out of the bullpen. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. It would be nice to not need him to be a starter because maybe his success as a reliever is going to cost him a chance to be a starter in the in the major leagues. But talk about an easy way, potentially easy way. It's not a guarantee, obviously, but to replace the loss of Jorge Lopez from after the trade has moved Tyler Wells back to the bullpen. And if he ramps it up like he did in 2021, then he's a a fireman setup guy that can strike out batters left and right. I know his stuff plus numbers are fantastic. According to Eno Saris, he's always was saying Tyler Wells, he's going to break out. The numbers say he's good. The numbers say he's good and he is good. But like you said, I'd I'd rather be out of the bullpen than the starting rotation just because there are other guys that could uh, fill that role a little bit better and he could be used. We know he can be dominant at times, out of the bullpen, and if you can get consistently, consistently like that between him, Felix Bautista, CNl Perez, Dylan Tate, you're, you're talking about uh, Brian Baker, another former guest. You're talking about a a pretty good bullpen as well. So.
0: I want to talk about the bullpen now that we've kind of worked through the rotation and at least the internal candidates. I think by any objective measure, the bullpen was a strength for the Orioles this past season. A lot of success stories in there with guys like CNL Perez, Felix Bautista and brian baker do either of you think that we see any significant movement uh with the bullpen whether it's perhaps adding a veteran or two moving someone from the rotation into the bullpen or possibly trading a reliever before the season starts i'll let bob start with this one
2: i don't think you're gonna see them sign any relievers to like a a major league deal, or at least one that's costs more than three to 5 million. I feel like maybe they could, like we talked about a sneaky free agent. Maybe there's a guy that's like, okay, we can make this guy into a more dominant reliever. So we'll sign him to a minor league deal or like a cheap one-year deal. But I think the bullpen is where waiver claims go to thrive in this Orioles organization. And and I think maybe you could see Dylan Tate or Cieno Perez be traded if teams value them highly enough just because I think Dylan Tate, he's reaching arbitration. He's pretty consistently good. I feel like he's a reliable arm, but, and Perez, I feel like outpitched his, uh, his peripherals a little bit. So looking for a little bit of a, a backup to his stat line next year, but I don't know. I feel like just internally between failed, quote unquote, failed starters and uh, waiver claims. I feel like that's just what the bullpen is going to be. And, I have a, I'm pretty confident that they, they can make it work. If they can make this bullpen, which we thought coming into the year, or at least some people thought coming into the year, oh my God, they traded Saucer, they traded Scott, and they're already terrible in the bullpen. What are they going to do? And then one of the better bullpens in the game. So yeah, I, I'm not expecting much when it comes to the bullpen, but it's still an interesting place for a guy like Keegan Aiken, who we thought throw him in the trash and He has a season where he pitches out of the bullpen eighty innings of an ERA around three, so anything could happen.
1: Yeah, I don't see a ton of room movement either with this bullpen. I I am I would be concerned the most about Perez and Baker only because they're like your one hit wonder guys. Or you hope they're not a one hit wonder guy, but this past year was a true breakout year for both of them. Uh, and so can they repeat that now that the book's out on them? i like, we'll see. I hope Perez sticks around. If I have to pick one of those guys, I want Perez to stick around and, and you know, seventh to any role for this team. Um, Baker, if you just keep him around the pitch to the Blue Jays, I mean, sure. That's <laughs> cool with that. I love that attitude out there in the mound. Um, but, yeah, like Tate is going to be interesting only because, like, Again, I don't I don't know if this is a hot takey or not either, but I think I don't think we've seen the best from Dylan Tate. I think there's another gear there with him. Um, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. I've just been ever since I remember it was what 20 would have been 2019 when he was in Bowie. He got hurt. He was working as a starter still when he came over from the Yankees, but he got hurt and then he started working out of Bowie's bullpen, and I was like, this is just different with him. Uh and clearly it's like he's in the major leagues now, and he just had only I wrote this down. I can find it here. Only 24 qualified relievers in Major League Baseball had a lower WHIP than Dylan Tate's 0.99 WHIP, and he was top 10 in ground ball rate. I think maybe he was mismanaged just a little bit, and which contributed to you know maybe limiting just a little bit. But I just think there's another no gear there with Tate. Uh, but yeah, are they going to want to pay him if he gets a significant boost? We'll, we'll have to see because yeah, I do think this bullpen is just going to be this. Who's the hottest waiver claim name that they can get? Which I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of fine. We got our anchor now in Felix Batista. That's your guy. Now find the rest of the pieces. We know how volatile relievers are. Who are the other pieces that are going to get you through that season? That's all I'm focused about when it comes to the bullpen outside of Batista. Who's going to get you through this season?
0: Yeah, and we should mention too that internally you've already got a lot of options of pitchers we have not talked about tonight. You know, where does Mike Ballman fit into this team. Um, what do we make of Nick Vespey's season at Norfolk and how dominant that was? Logan Gillespie, you know, had his moments when his time in the major leagues this year, you're probably going to see Ryan Watson and Noah DeNoyer in Norfolk's bullpen to start next season. So you're going to have, you've got some pretty good options that if the Orioles would decide at some point in the off season, we're going to move a reliever. You've got some in-house options that you could look at.
2: Yeah, I think Vespi's going to come up and be more of a permanent fixture in the bullpen next year. I feel like he can be that lefty, not loogie because those don't exist anymore, but if there's some lefties coming up, you go to him. He's going to do pretty well against them. Michael Bauman, God, he looks so good at times and then just so bad at times. If he can be consistent, especially in one inning stints, I feel like that slider fastball combination could be deadly. And yeah, Logan Gillespie, I mean, I feel like he's gonna just be an up and down guy throughout his entire career. I don't know if he's ever gonna firmly establish the presence in the bullpen for like a guy that you're just gonna see there from beginning of the season to end. As long as he's got he's got options, he's gonna be very valuable because he can pitch multiple innings. He's pretty good. And um yeah, uh so many options. The pitching is not there, yeah,
1: and I was gonna say, Gillaspie, that's an interesting one because clearly the Orioles valued him, but I think it was the right decision to obviously protect him last year in the row five draft and see what he has. I don't know if he lived up to expectations or not this past year, but you know, like you said, they can still keep him around, he's got the options available. I mean, Easton Lucas again, I'm gonna say again, is this year's Logan Gillaspie. I mean, MLB Pipeline, even after we talked about him last week be pipelines like he's out in Arizona right now, six foot lefty. scouts think he has back end starter traits. He's throwing 95 miles an hour. Fastball slider has a change up He's been working on a curveball out in Arizona. I mean, that's another name, I think, to watch out for who could be added to the 40 man uh, this winter since he is rule five eligible as well. And like I think Vivek mentioned earlier, you got to keep that room open for the rule five pick till we know the Orioles are going to make. Like, um, But yeah, definitely certain a lot of options. Vespi is the interesting one you don't throw what was it 27 28 29 scoreless innings in triple a like you don't do that uh, unless you you've got something and i disagree with a lot of people who's like oh he's classic quad a type guy i don't know if i necessarily agree with that um i hope the orioles give him another chance next year and i've said this before if not let him go to another team that will give him a chance but he's certainly i think a very kind of under the radar
2: option as well for next year. If I had to bet, here's one reliever the Orioles are going to trade before opening day, 2023, it's Keegan Aiken. I mean, there's no way he's this good, right? Long-term. I just can't see it just between the the work ethic, the buying into the analytics and all that stuff. I I don't see it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but that's, that's just me.
0: I think that Aiken you probably don't see a lot of urgency to move him because he's pre arbitration eligible. So he's not going to cost you much next season. The only thing I do wonder though, is do you have that team out there that looks at what Aiken did last year and thinks, Oh, we'll, we'll try him in the rotation. Used to be a starter. He looked okay as a starter in 2020 over that shortened time period. We'll bring him in and we'll treat him not as a reliever, but as a starting rotation candidate. Um, I would tell a team considering that they're probably wrong, but if that could get the Orioles more value in a trade, that would be something to consider. So I don't, you know, I'm not saying that that is going to happen, but that is one factor with Aiken that you don't have with Dylan Tate. No one's getting Dylan Tate to be a rotation option, but someone, someone out there just might think Keegan Aiken is a rotation option.
1: Hey. I, I agree with the next comment there, the LA Angels. I it, That's a joke, but they gave us four dudes for Dylan Bundy. Um, so, yeah, my ideal would be if you could
2: package Keegan Aiken and Austin Hayes
1: in a deal. Colorado see ya. Rockies. What, see ya. Do you. what you will
2: <laughs> German Marquez for Keegan Aiken straight up. I will drive them to Colorado. I,
1: <laughs> if that's the deal, I will drive them
0: myself free of charge. So before we wrap up tonight, we got to talk about the world series. The Houston Astros and Philadelphia Phillies will face off in the best of seven fall classic beginning on Friday. Um, for Orioles fans, I suspect that you're going to have a lot of them rooting for the Astros just to see Trey Mancini get that world series ring. Although I'm sure probably have some listeners out there who are going to be pulling for the Phillies this time around. Um, so this will be our last show before the world series starts. So, Nick, uh, anything you want to say about this series or, in, or the playoffs so far?
1: My two picks didn't make it, and I'm bummed. Uh, but I I could see – I was not anticipating it, but I saw a very wide avenue for the Padres doing what they did. Like, it's – that lineup, it, it's got to hit at the right time. They had struggles with – especially the back end of that lineup all year, and the pitching was a disaster at many points of the year for the Padres. Um all because Fernando Tatis wanted to ride motorcycles and all that stuff. But um, I, I don't know if I can make a pick. I'm going to say Astros, although I don't really like want it. I do want Trey Mancini. That's it. That is the only reason. Dusty Baker too, a little bit maybe, but like, it's just Trey Mancini. That's
2: who I'm rooting for. I'm not going to say I'm rooting for the Astros. I'm just rooting for Trey Mancini. I said it on Locked On Orioles that will be airing tomorrow morning. I'm going Astros in four. They sweep. They go undefeated in the playoffs. Trey gets his ring. Dusty Baker gets his ring. And it's like a final send-off of the Houston Astros. Enter Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> New era in town.
0: It's a bold, like it's a pretty bold prediction. They're going to sweep, but then it's going to sunset their dynasty, They never make the playoffs to again.
2: It's like
0: <laughs> never <laughs> make the playoffs again. It's now the Mariners and Orioles time. Yes. <laughs> I think the Astros are going to win. I'm going to say maybe Astros in six. Um, I think what Philadelphia has done has been impressive so far, but Houston just is the much stronger team, and I think that's going to sell.
1: Where does it start? Does it start in Philly or Houston?
0: Houston. Houston.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm going to Houston. I was going to say I'd probably give Philly game one because that energy – I hate Bryce Harper so much, but man, that home that run, home run. The, the videos that have come out since then, uh, just that's art. I'm not going to lie. But I could see them winning maybe game one. But after that, like that lineup, when it gets cold, I feel like it's going to get ice cold and they're not going to be able to overcome that Houston pitching staff. But my see.
2: honest thought is let's just get it over with as quick as possible. Let's get on to this <laughs> fun offseason we're about to have.
0: Because within days of the end of the World Series, we're going to know whether or not the Orioles pick up Jordan Lyles' club option, and then that really will be when the off begins, and we will have liftoff, emergency yes. podcast to start the
1: off season. Jordan Lyles,
0: decision <laughs> day on Jordan Lyles. So we're going to continue this uh, series over the off season. Next week we will be back with catcher, although we're not much to talk about there, other than that the Orioles have the best catcher in baseball starting for them next year and the infield. Um, and we will be recording on Tuesday night next week at the same time. So keep that in mind. And then the following week, we will be back on a regular time and night to talk about the outfield where there's a lot of interesting questions going into next season. So those are all coming up on our next couple of shows in between shows, check out baltimoresportsandlife.com for all the latest covers on the Orioles, Ravens, college sports, and more. And while you're there, be sure to hop on the message board. And join and discuss with fellow readers as well as contributors to the site. And follow us on Twitter, at BSL on the Verge. We'll have news and updates there every day. And if you haven't signed up yet, join our Patreon community for as little as three hours a month. You can be in our WhatsApp group, which is still very active in the offseason. And later this offseason, we will be resuming bonus daily content for our patrons. Uh, Thank you for listening to tonight's episode. For Bob Thalen and Nick Stevens, this is Zach and you've been listening to On The Verge.
2: That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more.